Hello and welcome to Property Mastermind Podcast episode 117. This week we are talking navigating legal challenges in property development. Now there are a few and you need to be aware of them. So let's jump on into episode 117 and see how we can maybe enlighten you to be a little bit prepared in case you need to face some. Hey, 117, like I said, navigating legal challenges. What an exciting topic we have for you this week. But before we get started, there's a couple of things. Last week, we decided to give away the feasibility calculator. At the time of recording this right now, it has been drawn, but the person who has either sent the email or ready to or doing all the bits, they're not here. Um, so I I can't, we can't tell. So we'll be telling you next week. So the, the winner of that will come out next week. There are quite a few that, that um, applied for that. So yeah. that's, that's awesome. And that's number one. The second thing you need to know is we have our property developers for our workshop. We aren't calling it a masterclass. So I don't know why we changed it. For our event this Saturday. Yeah, so it, that's from 9 to 1, so we would love for you to join us. There will be a link below. You won't want to miss it. Bob takes us through, takes you through the property development process and touches on everybody's favourite creative strategies and talks about his own special favourite ones. Um, and that's really worth coming along for. We usually have a huge turnout and no one ever leaves for the whole four hours, which is a very good sign, isn't it, Bob? Yep, that's the way it is. So nine o'clock to one o'clock this Saturday. Yeah, there'll be a link below. And I just need to check that your mic's close enough so I don't have to babysit. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the volume. <laughs> it's, it's so it's, we, Sometimes we, we get it back and we're like, oh, did I have my mic low? Mm. Yeah. Anyway, Bob. Um, yes. Legal challenges. Legal challenges. Well, first Ooh, of all, what's your tip for the scary. week? Oh, my tip. Well, we just got back from a, a short holiday in Victoria where we did the Great Ocean Road. So my tip is, if you haven't done the Great Ocean Road, make sure you do. Yeah, it was spectacular. It was great. Yeah. And uh, we weren't rushed. We spread it over a few days, which I think is the, is the right way to go. Met some interesting people. Caught up with a number of our mentoring students while we were in Victoria as well. Well, we, we kicked it off with a, with a networking event in yeah. Melbourne, which was fabulous. Mm. And somebody had heard this, the podcast on the podcast that That's day right. or something, and he came along. So how good is that? Steve, yes, it was. It was Stephen. Steve, yes. Yeah. Perfect. So he'll be listening. Hello to you. It was great to meet you. But it was a great event. Was well, yeah, great to catch up with some. Uh, Past and present mentees. Yes. And uh, have a cold drink. And we also um, caught up with a few on our journey as well. So we do that because we only work with a limited number of people. We actually hang out with them. Our mentoring people, our mentees become our best friends. Yeah, they could become pretty good friends. Yes. Pretty good friends anyway. Yeah. So it it was cool. We we caught up with a few on the way. Yep. Had a look uh, at their projects. Yep. Well, and yeah, that is, uh, as recently as yesterday. Yeah, Connie's. She's got yeah. a bit going on. We always talk about Connie, the famous Connie. So I went for dinner and um, checked out her stuff, which was great. Mm. Yeah, always really good. So anyway, that was – and oh, what was interesting is we find out how many people listen to the podcast when they're doing something. So we know yeah. we're in people's back pockets. Mm. So, Connie, while you're moving bricks... Gardening. She, yeah. she likes to listen to the podcast when she's gardening because yeah. she loves to garden. She's got a real green thumb. Yeah. 
Yeah, so she'll be listening to this. So, hey, Corny. Yeah, <laughs> she'll be coming. smiling away to herself. <laughs> okay, so we're going to be talking navigating legal challenges because mm. there can be and are a few. There are, yep. Bob, so when I say that, what is the first one that comes to mind for you? Or what is the first thing <laughs> that comes to mind for you when I say legal challenges Ooh, and property development? I get scared. <laughs> you get scared? No, not really. Well, you know, as soon as you start saying legal, you're talking about lawyers and, and you're talking about money. Yeah. You know, and, and we're talking about challenges here, not just necessarily using a lawyer because we use a lawyer at varying times in our property development, you know, if just something simple like perusing our purchase okay. contract yeah. or coming up with some special conditions or whatever. But challenges suggest something a little bit more, a little bit like an arm wrestle perhaps, mm. you know, a challenge, something to overcome. I hear you. Legally, getting the right lawyer. Uh, and we know that it all costs money, but relatively speaking, it probably won't have a big effect hopefully on our, uh, on our project and something that's necessary might put us in a better position, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's what comes to my mind. There's a few. There's a few things. Well, I'm going to, as usual, ask a few questions. And I know even since I've been involved with Property Mastermind, uh, the, there have been those arm wrestling type mm. legal situations that we've had to deal with from in all sorts of areas, actually. Yeah. Yep. Um, I was just about going to open a can of worms, but I'm not sure whether I should. Oh. <laughs> uh but there were, or there have been numerous times when you've had to use legal help to get things over the line, get things done. Yeah. But let's just start with something really simple, which okay. is one of the one of the legal challenges, or not even a challenge, is one of the laws you've got to deal with, which mm. is really zoning laws. Well, yeah, zoning laws. So what we're talking about here is town planning issues, you know, yeah. and. Of course, the zoning of land, which tells us what we can do, what what the use of it is, it's not always black and white. And there can be precedents. There can be opinions even. You know, it's funny that we go to council to get a development permit. You'd think that because there's a planning scheme, everything would be black and white, but it often isn't. And it, it even can come down to personalities at council, sometimes some council officers can have differing opinions from another council officer in the same council as to how they deal with certain as issues. As to how they, like, deal with or interpret a law? Well, interpret, or, I guess. And okay. and not everything is absolutely word perfect you know, in, in you know, planning law and planning schemes. And so it is open a little bit to interpretation. And, and look, mm. sometimes councils even try and push an agenda and they'll push even outside of their planning scheme, and it's only when they're challenged that they'll actually react. Really? Mm. Uh, that leads me to, and I wonder if this is something that would fall under that umbrella, I know that the Noosa Council, uh, you know, everyone knows Noosa, beautiful yeah. place to holiday, but they're incredibly green, aren't they, and they're quite strict with their laws. Do you think sometimes it would be more, um, not necessarily by the law, more what they would like? I've struck some pretty green councils, and I'm certainly not anti-green. No. Just because I'm a property developer doesn't mean I don't care about the environment. I do, but but I have met some quite green councils. I can remember one uh, north of Brisbane, uh, Pine Rivers Shire Council, I'll name them. At one point, I'm probably going back 
um, 20 years or more, more than 20 years ago, mm. quite a few, shall we say, green councillors got elected. Mm. More than the normal proportion, whatever mm. the normal proportion is. Mm. And they they changed a lot of regulations and some of the planning scheme and to the detriment of that area in, ter in terms of business, you know, not just to do with property development. And they, they had a, a, a very strong economic effect on that council in a negative way. Mm. Uh, sure, they were pretty happy that they were doing things the way they would like to have done them, but it got to a point where they were quickly voted out at the next next round, which is three or four years later, because of the adverse effect that they had. That, mm. You know, there's, there's one thing caring for the environment. There's another thing when you're militant, mm. and they were relatively militant, and, of course, they had some power because they were elected, and um, some of the more business-orientated councillors that didn't get elected ended up getting re-elected at the next round. So that was a, quite a green council, that's what I'm saying, uh, but a little bit, well, definitely over the top. Mm. That can happen. So legal challenges around zoning, mm. uh, would the, the advice here to be, would it be to be questioning things at all times? If, if it was against something you wanted, would you encourage people to question? Well, what we're talking about, when we're talking about zoning, we're talking about, it, it is a town planning issue. It's, you know, one of the big aspects of town planning. So I'm assuming that anybody who's doing a development application or, or even doing their due diligence prior would be using a town planner. And the town planner would probably say some of these things aren't necessarily black and white. And there may have been precedents. Sometimes an approval goes through that's not strictly in accordance with the planning scheme, but it goes mm. through, and it might go through because councillors are relaxing certain areas. You know, I've had a, many approvals over the years that didn't strictly conform with the planning scheme, but council were okay. I had a good reason, a good solution to certain things that might have to do with setbacks from boundaries, it might have to do with a, a certain, you know, a percentage of private open space, occasionally even parking and uh, and so precedents can be set even though they're outside of the strict word of the planning scheme and but they don't necessarily last that way forever and so there can be a challenge where somebody puts in an application it gets knocked back or at least uh, during the process might not go all the way to get knocked back but during the process council said no look um, you, you know you can't have that relaxation on car parks you say, well, look, there's one that went through nine months ago that you allowed through, you know. So, well, yeah, I know, but, you know, we that's at our discretion. Uh, and, and, you know, is that challengeable and these sorts of things. That's what that's where the grey areas can start. Mm. You know, that's just a, a single example. Um, but, look, planning, town planning, you can, get a, you can get a knockback from council and, you know, do you challenge it? Well, and itself, it can be around zoning, can be around the, the uses of the under that zoning. Mm. And, you know, I've been to court on, on zoning matters. Mm. Done you, pretty well. I was going to say, um, <laughs> did, did you win more? Well, I don't – yeah, you've got to be careful. You pick your fights, mm. you know. So if you're really going against the, uh, the vibe, to use the castle term, but going against the, you know, the – the scheme itself and you, you're trying to get an advantage by getting a relaxation. You have to judge your likelihood of success. 
mm. because it's going to cost you money. When you know, if you, if you're challenging a, a development permit that's been knocked back, can I ask? I, I know of a, a horrendous, you know, council fight legal bill you've had to pay. But mm. just an just a standard one like that one there, I'd call that a standard one. What would that cost to fight roughly? Well, it varies a bit. Like if you're going, let's say you get uh, your development permit gets rejected, you go to challenge it. Well, who do you need? Well, you need a town planner mm. who, who did the application in the first place. They got first-hand knowledge. But you'll also need a lawyer. And I'll say a planning lawyer. Um, it's And it could be a property lawyer who, specialo- who has specialised in, in matters relating to planning. And... They, that that is the lawyer that you would engage, and there may even be other consultants that need to be brought into this. Could be, you know, depends on the. It, it, perhaps you need architects as well. You know, if yeah. if you were knocked back, say, on an apartment building, well, no doubt the architect would have something to do with that. That certainly the town planner and and a lawyer at the very least, and they they all cost money. So, I mean, to to challenge a DA depends on the size complexity of the project, but. It'll easily be twenty to forty thousand out of out of pocket on a small project, mm. but then that's relative to your profit because you know you might it might be a four townhouse project. Your profit might be six to eight hundred thousand dollars, and you've been knocked back. If you're forty grand's just it's not much. If if you if you're confident, if you'll never get a hundred percent. Like no town planning lawyer is going to say absolutely hundred percent we're going to win this. Yeah, but if they're saying you know seventy five percent chance we'll win this. And, and you know they've got a good argument, then you know it's up to you to make. So a you'd go decision. you'd go head to head on seventy five. Yeah, oh, I yeah. did. I've spent I've spent a seven figure amount in court challenging something that my lawyer said was seventy five percent. I thought I, I personally thought it was higher, and it turned out I won. But yeah, that was a, that was a seven figure uh, amount that one. And the thing with it is when you do take counsel to court, you've got to remember they're using taxpayer money and you're using your own. Yep, yep. The rate payers pay. Yeah, the rate payers pay. Yeah, and you use your own I'm money. I'm glad only property and developers listen to this podcast because others yeah. might have a free check. Well, see, it's not a civil action. So you can't claim costs and damages. Mm. That's, that's the thing and that's what's unfair about it. As a developer, you have to use your own funds like you just said and then the council's using the rate payers' funds. And, and uh, a lot of the time it's not logic. A lot of the time it's, like you said, it could be for a, it, they are just more that way inclined if it's a green issue or it could be anything. It could be it, personal. It could even be personality conflicts between the developer and council. I mean, it can yeah. come down to that, that they'll, they'll challenge something. It's different when, when it's not your money. You know, imagine if, if the town planner for council, if that, if that uh, came out of his... Budget. Salary. Oh, salary. Uh, well, yeah. you want to challenge this? Uh, put up your money, and there I am. I'll put up my fifty thousand dollars. You put up your town, 50, town planner for the council. You put up your fifty. But of course, it doesn't work that way. I'm just dreaming. You are. So, Bob, what about uh, another law, like another area where the law is involved? What about um, land rights? Oh, well, land, land rights. rights. Well, Bit of a minefield. Right, well, yeah, they, they can have a few meanings, I guess. Yeah. Uh, the rights to title, yeah, you know, free free title that that can some sometimes be be challenging. 
not so much talking about, say, Aboriginal land rights, which is a big subject in itself. Mm. Although uh, on a number of developments I've done, I've had to address uh, certain issues re re relating to perhaps, you know, prior prior use many years ago by, by Aboriginals and uh, you, you, know, you have to address those matters and uh, there's a whole process and for doing that. Yeah. Uh, Anything I've ever done has, has come through okay. You know, there hasn't been hasn't been a sacred site or a special site. Anything I've ever worked on, so everything's been been pretty cool. But you know that that could be an issue and may even at some point need to be dealt with legally. What about particularly? I'm thinking boundaries when they're boundaries. wrong oh, or stuff God, like yeah. that. Like, is that can that be a yeah. major problem? Well, it can be, and that's why. And the law gets. Yeah, well, that's why we... The law's involved. Yeah. I always recommend getting a survey done fairly early. I mean, if, if the boundaries are out, the sooner you know, the better. You don't want to find out a week before the builder goes on site to build and you get a survey then you find out You're missing that, a metre. Well, you're missing a metre or the neighbour's fence is over your fence uh, a metre. Um, I can remember one of our students once did a... Uh, I think it was a four or five townhouse project and they found out that the neighbour's fence was a metre on their land. And 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 the, and the neighbour happened to be. You're on YouTube. You should see my facial expression right now. It's like, oh my god. Well, the neighbour was a property lawyer. Oh my gosh. And that became a little bit of an issue. He lost, but then he had to be challenged to lose. Mm. Uh, but there's all there's quite a lot of legislation around things like fences, and it's different in different councils in different states. As well, you know, it depends how long the fence has been there, even if it's wrong. Really? It can. Yeah, it can come down to that. So if it's been there a long time, possession. it's just considered that's too late, that's mm -hmm. it? Yeah, it can be. Wow. Uh, but in some other states, it, it works purely off survey. Yeah. So yeah. A way, the way around that is just to get that, that survey well, done if, nice if and If there's early. a problem, you want to know early so you yeah. can re resolve it and not hold your project up. Really. Yeah. That's what you want to do. But yeah. but boundaries, yeah. You know, I, 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 this is a quick story you might have heard me say before. When I first started out in property development, or just before I started out in property development, I worked as a real estate agent for a while to you know, get to understand the property market more. I had a somebody rang me once and they said, oh, look, um, I built a house. They lived in Melbourne and this was on the Gold Coast, the back of the Gold Coast where I was. And they said, look, I've just built a house there and I was just wondering if you could uh, – I'm looking at selling it. I don't want to move into it. Uh, would you be able to go out? First of all, just tell me if it's, if it's finished and I'll make arrangements for you to have a look at it and tell me what you think it's worth. And he gave me – it was, oh, it was it was a rural area. It was one acre lots, and quite often we didn't have street names. We had lots, lot number, like lot thirty one. So I drove out there to have a look, and I make the lot number up. Let's say he said lot thirty one. I had a look at it. Lot thirty one's vacant. Had a look next door. Lot thirty two, fairly new house. And I thought, oh, he's got the wrong lot number. He's given me that's okay. So I had a bit of a look. Went back, phoned him, and I said, oh, look, I went out, I saw your house. I said, you're just giving me the wrong lot number. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, you gave me lot 31. It's actually on lot 32. As it turned out, the builder had built the house on the wrong lot. Uh, what happened? That's ridiculous. I don't really know what happened after that. I know it created some serious drama. And I, I can remember one, a similar thing in reverse, <laughs> not so long ago, probably three or four years ago, where a demolisher demolished the wrong house. No. Yeah, yeah he demolished the neighbour's house. Whose property course had they done? <laughs> <laughs> not this one. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of things came into vogue since then that, mm. that, to cover those sorts of things. You oh, know, my gosh. And to try and make sure that 
yeah, you demolish the right house or you build on the right block. What did happen, Bob? Did they just swap land? I, I don't know what happened in the end. It, it, but you can imagine a huge disadvantage when you've built a, built a house on the wrong block of land. Yeah. I mean, that's a long time ago. You know, it's like 38 years ago or something. I want to go and visit that next time we're in the Gold Coast. Okay, it's a place called Mudgery Bar. I want to go see it. What about, Bob, easements? Well, easements, yeah. Uh, different types of easements. We've yep. got, well, access easements, they, they, they can cause some issues mm. where you've got somebody accesses their land basically over somebody else's land, but there's an easement to give them the rights. So they're access rights. And uh, we, we use access easements sometimes. Uh, you know, when we're, we might be building, you know, some townhouses on, on fee simple title, you know, not strata. And so the driveway has to be used by everybody, but it's on title. So you have this thing called reciprocal easements where four unit holders or four townhouse holders each have equal rights to use the, the driveway, but not a portion of the driveway, you know. And then you can have other access easements where somebody has one half the easement for their, you know, entry and egress, and the other landowner has the other. So, But, yeah, there's plenty of arguments over the years about access easements or... But the, the easement we come across a lot are the service easements, mm. you know, where stormwater and sewerage are. And well, once again, you know, who, who benefits from the easement, you know? And so e- easements are generally, I mean, they're registered on title to have effect. So they should come up. That shouldn't be an issue because that stuff it, well, it should shouldn't. be looked at it in due diligence, but yeah. it would come up. At- Easements should come up on a title search. Yeah, it'll it'll show that, and it should show the documentation behind the easement. Mm. But it's often like individuals that fall out of love with each other and neighbours that end up getting into you know end up getting into a bit of strife and then look for legal recourse. Mm. You know the, the old neighbour thing. Just as you bring that up, and Connie's listening as she's doing her gardening, she. Um, She's got a beautiful long driveway where she's about to build three townhouses. Mm. <laughs> and the last one, the beautiful the beautiful piece of driveway has a nice arch around it, it for for the neighbours' tree roots. Eh, yeah. Bob? Yes. Yeah. So. And I think they might have fallen out of love. Yep. Yeah. And, and so that's that case probably the neighbour had complained about the positioning of the driveway, and the compromise was to they uh, probably got an arborist involved. The arborist was worked out. You know, where the roots are, and so the concrete driveway does it's this a little huge, arch. It's quite big. Like, well, that's a reasonable yeah, size. it is. I mean, it's still functional. The, yeah. the driveway works, but that's that's probably an example of a little bit of an... Un, well, I'd say an unfriendly neighbour, but then it's for, the, it's, it it's for the benefit of the tree, perhaps, you know. Yes. Whether it would have really made a difference to the tree or not is another matter of it. Would that come under easement? Is that an easement? What is that? Uh... Well, a type it, it's probably reciprocal by reciprocal easement because they're, they're freehold, fee simple titles. So, yeah, it's a shared driveway, really. Yeah, so, simple terms. Easements are things that can cause legal issues. Mm. What about covenants? Well, covenants, yeah. Covenants, they, covenants. Covenant, covenant, covenant. Yeah. Yep. Well, they can. Explain fully what they are. Well, it's like a, I'll call it a restriction, you know, in layman's terms, a restriction on use. Is, is like it's often a covenant. height, though, isn't it? can be height, yeah. Like I, I was looking at a property once 
it was on a on land that sloped upwards, and you could see see the see the water from there. You know, had a, like a half reasonable view, and so the block behind the one I was looking at, uh, he had a nice view as well. But in the co- the covenant that was on the lower one is you couldn't build a house more than a single level. And the guy at the back had a two story, and 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 so that I mean to build two story in that block would have knocked out some of that view. Mm. So that covenant was actually placed on that land by the by the developer who did the subdivision and to protect the views of the block behind. Yeah. And therefore obviously hold maintaining the value, value. of that block. Yeah. yeah. But I've 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 come across covenants um, for uh, like uh, like vegetation covenants mm. where you can't remove vegetation from a certain area. I was involved in a in a retirement village up north Queensland at one time, probably fifteen years ago, and there was patches of like palm trees. I suppose I don't think palm trees were that special on the block, and there were covenants on those patches registered on title and in our development we couldn't remove them so everything sort of got designed around them there wasn't too much of an impact but that's an example of a of a covenant for um, vegetation purposes so they can have lots of lots of reasons for covenants but but then sometimes covenants can be challenged because sometimes covenants or even easements for that matter are old are very old and 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 serve no further purpose so so how do you challenge well you can get well it's not so much a challenge i mean you can get them extinguished but Mm. But the parties involved in the easement uh, have to ag- have to agree for a start. You know, there's at least two parties involved in, in usually, well, not always, but in particularly access easements, at least two. Uh, but you have a, a property that has an access easement, a shared easement, but then you know they might, might buy another adjoining property at some time and then and then make their entry off that, and then that sort of other one becomes a bit redundant. So let's go to vegetation. I'm mm. going to ask another one of my questions. Vegetation. Yeah. Well, what if because we know sometimes people just do things anyway. Not chop trees down. Yeah. What happens then? Like what? Wow. Yeah. What are what are the impacts of that sort of behaviour for Be- those behaviour? Yeah. You know, for those tempted to just lob a tree down. Yeah. So so you know I've been developing for forty years, so I've seen lots of changes, and and one of them is environmental changes. Yeah. And even just pick trees. You know, council's attitude towards trees generally is quite different than it was 30 years ago yep. in terms of like what you can cut down and what you can't cut yeah. down. Yeah. And, and they, be, they become greener over the years and they created some, some jobs for arborists. There probably were very few arborists 30 years ago and now there's lots of them. Uh, so, yeah, I'm thinking, I know one story where there was a, a fellow owned a house and there was a road in front and then there was some sort of vacant vacant land there and his his he had a view of the water but over the years the trees grew up and hindered his view so he obviously did something to these trees he didn't go and cut them down with a chainsaw but this little patch of trees about 40 meters wide got very sick and died yet all the other trees around were quite fine. healthy mm-hmm. and they and if you stood on his block and look where the dead trees were it it, it happened to be a nice view of the water and he was challenged on it, but nobody could prove that he did anything to the trees. And what council did is I, they must have owned that land, I'm not sure. Well, at least they owned a section of the land. They put a sign up 
Saying what? I can't even remember. It like could, it, along the lines of what? This man... No, 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 not, not blaming the man. Nobody could prove it. Uh, but it was just, you know, it, it, it was a council sign that, that they had. It might have... I can't even remember what the sign was about because it's a few years ago now, but, you know, council can put up signs. It might be, you know, welcome to the such and such a council. Or, oh, you or, mean they put or, up a big sign to block visibility almost to get him back? Yeah, he lost his view to a council oh, sign. Oh, no. Council-approved sign, yeah. Um, so they couldn't... They knew he did it. They couldn't prove it, and that was their way of getting back at him. Oh, gosh. It, it would have been better, you know, seeing a bit of a view through some green trees than looking at a sign. Oh, no, that is not great. No. So, Bob, just with the whole... Um, environmental laws that you're talking about there's a little bit more of a push how strict or what impact legally are these having on developments at the moment and how strict are they being enforced or is that council dependent how strict are councils around these laws environmental well fairly strict Uh, and and look it depends on on the property i mean most of us do infill developments We're, we're developing where there already is infrastructure and housing you know we might buy an old house and knock it down and build a few townhouses or whatever we're not going stealing children's parks no no pulling the but, swings so out. not many environmental issues there you know yeah. it, we're not it's not going to be protected grasses or um probably golden bell frogs or that there but trees are the obvious one yeah and they become more and more sacred and they can kill a deal uh if you know you might need to remove a tree and, the, and you can't Mm. because of if it's a particular species or a particular size. And, look, it does vary from council to council because, as we know, some are greener than others. Uh, in my early days, very few trees were protected and you didn't need permission to cut them down. You just you know, brought in a tree lopper and cut them down. But more and more these days you do. Uh, but, you know, there's, there can be compensation for trees. I did a development in Bendigo where we had to remove some large trees, and council were okay with that. Oh, I remember this story. But in in lieu of cutting down these large trees, you had I to plant trees. had to plant trees, and and quite a lot of trees, because these were large, and it depended on the circumference of the tree. So let's say the circumference is one and a half metres. That might relate to having to plant three hundred trees somewhere, and that's okay. Except that council couldn't tell me where to plant the trees because they'd had this rule going for a while that more, more and more trees, as you can imagine, uh, like, like You're I, running I had a, like a thousand trees to plant. And I said, that's fine, just tell me where to plant them. They couldn't come up with anything because they'd used all their parks and all their land, you know, over the years. Yeah. And, and, and then, then they said, well, go, go and buy a parcel of land and fill it up with trees. And I said, well, that's not really economically viable. Mm-hmm. And I, I asked the obvious question after about probably two months of hitting my head. And I said, can we do a... a a monetary contribution in lieu of the trees. And they said, oh, what a splendid idea. <laughs> they took the money instead. So they, that's how much they were worried about the environment. They, they should have told me they just wanted cash and I would have just given it to them in the first place. Bob, what do you think will happen around sustainable development and laws? Do you see there being a law change? Well, they're, they're always ratcheting things up a little bit, yeah. aren't they? And yeah. yeah, it's not a bad thing. Um, but it, it can... Like, it can have an effect sometimes on the viability. So on the mm. viability of things, you know, it can cost more to conform. Mm. And you don't always get that back on your sale price, or at least not immediately. How do you counter that? Well, you know, if there was, if you could find cheaper ways of building to, ca- to counteract the more expensive things that you're having to do to conform, and then you sort of, one cancels out the other maybe. 
Uh, I mean, the market eventually absorbs these things, but they don't absorb it instantly. No. Like, like an example that's got nothing to do with that would have been when GST came in, mm. in, in the year 2000. You know, on the 30th of June, all your development costs were a particular dollar amount, and the next day they were 10% more, <laughs> one day later. Mm. And, and it took quite a while for the market to absorb the extra sale prices that you had to try and get. And mm-hmm. for a while we had to absorb that. Probably took three or four years before the market absorbed that 10% of mm-hmm. costs. And, and the same with, you know, when, when we're forced to do certain things from a building and point of view, that they cost money and you don't necessarily recover it immediately. So, yeah. Yeah. What you got to do, you got to do. Got to do what you got to do, hmm. and it'll probably start happening a bit more. Some of those things are hard to challenge once they become law. Hmm. But like you say, we need to start hmm. doing something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, there are there's a lot of potential. Ch- I mean, we use a lawyer hmm. a lot for just the basic functions, hmm. but there are times when. We do meet a challenge. I reckon we should. That could be the next podcast we'll mm. go on to. Which one's that? I think we'll. I think we'll. We'll go on to construction law next. Well, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. we can talk about that. That's, that's a whole field in itself. That's why I think we'll just pull that one there. But so just for this, these ones here, mm. would that be uh, lawyers for? I mean, I know you've had you've used lawyers for everything. Yeah, um, the specialist lawyers for everything. Well, yeah. So we have people called property lawyers, who are good general yep. and generally good. They're good at leases. They understand property transactions, conveyancing. Mm. And, and generally they'll do most things. But if you're challenging, say, a development permit in the, in the land and environment court or in, uh, you know, where, wherever, then you need a specialist lawyer. And, and they're, they're generally called town planning lawyers or land environment lawyers and those sorts of lawyers, they're, they're specialists and that's what you need there. Mm. But for easements and uh, covenants, uh, generally a property lawyer is yep. sufficient. And you know, for other matters, like what you just said, we're going to do another podcast shortly on, on the whole construction thing and we have construction lawyers yeah. to do with building and contracts. So, so I think a, a takeaway that I've picked up from this conversation, Bob, is really get, a, get ahead of the game. Yep. And yeah, be on top of things. Don't be reactive, be proactive. Yeah. And if there's an issue, deal with it and deal with it early. Yeah. And if it needs legal advice, take it. Yeah. And if something, if you think you want to challenge something, it's a personal choice, but make sure you get all the advice and the right advice, the likelihood of success, and then base your decision on that. Yeah, and you, your rule of thumb is 75, you reckon? Oh, it's not a rule of thumb, uh, but... But like a 50-50, I'm not so sure. No. But often they're not like that. No. All right. We forgot to give away the book this week. So uh, okay. this week the book is going to Adele Vanderlyn coming in the mail to you, Adele. Well done, Property Adele. Property Millionaires Exposed. You can become one. Page 121. You know where to go. And just the usual plug for my own book, Three Wines In. If you'd like to buy a copy of that one, it's on my website, hillarysaxton.com. I would love you to buy one. It's uh, How to Increase Your Self-Confidence Today and Succeed in All Areas of Your Life Without the Hangover Tomorrow because property is a confidence game. Yep. Say it all the time. All righty. I think that that's quite useful information, Bob. As usual, you've enlightened us. You can't do 40 years of property development and not know some stuff. 
Um, so thank you again for imparting your wisdom. And I know that everyone, well, so many people get a lot of joy out of this. Uh, we're saying hello to Connie's Pocket. Thanks for hanging out with us. Property is a confidence game, we know that. So let's wind it up. Thank you so much, everybody, for uh, listening. If you're watching on YouTube, Bob's got glassy eyes because he just had a massive <laughs> coughing fit, so there's a bit of an edit going on. He's, he's not been crying. He just he no, I'm not sad. <laughs> I'm not sad about legal challenges. <laughs> he just had a coughing fit. I'm like, oh, there's going to be an edit in that one. But uh, thanks so much for listening, and Bob, thank you so much. You're welcome for coming on and being the legend you are. We will catch you all next week, and it could be about construction law, or it's coming up soon. Coming up soon. All right. See you, everybody. Bye. Bye.